You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. The podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I want to tell you all about a really awesome deal that I got from my friends and new sponsors, Adam and Eve, the number one adult toy superstore. They reached out to me and they said, Andrew, we love Disability After Dark. We love your show. We love what you're doing. And we were wondering if you wanted to run some ads for us. And I was like, fuck yes, I do. But what are my awesome listeners going to get if I run ads for you? What are they going to get out of this? And they came back with a really fantastic deal that I want to share with you right now. I hope you're getting comfy, cozy, and crippled because this deal is pretty great. If you go to AdamEve.com, you can pick out almost any item in the store, almost any one item in the store, for 50% off. That means you can get one dildo, one lube, and one thing of lingerie, if you want, for 50% off. And then, once you get that one item for half price, they throw in even more free stuff. Let me tell you all about it. Okay, so you got your one item at half price in your bag, and you're ready to go, but guess what? This offer also includes 10 free items on top of that that other item. So you get one free item for penis havers, one free item for vulva havers, one free item for couples, and then you also get six free movies from the AdamEve.com website. You can get your favorite porn or an educational film. I love free movies. They're so awesome. This is such a great deal. And then, on top of that, you also get free shipping. What could be better? This is such a great offer. So, to redeem this great offer, what you're going to do is you're going to go to AdamEve.com. You're going to go to checkout and you're going to type in DarkPod. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout. And you're going to get one item, almost anything in the store, at 50% off. And then you're going to get those 10 free gifts, absolutely free, as part of your offer. This is such a great deal. And this is just for you, Disability After Dark listeners. And I hope you run over to AdamEve.com and take advantage of it right now. Content warning. The language content and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends, and thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between. 
I am your disabled dick smith, your number one queer cripple, and your accessibility awareness specialist, Andrew Gerza. That's right, I just changed my professional title to accessibility awareness specialist because, I don't know, it's 2020 and I wanted to change it up, so that's who I am, your accessibility awareness specialist. Uh, Let's get comfy and cozy and crippled like we do, and let's get the show started. First thing is first, before we get started, I want to thank the people that pledged their hard-earned dollars to keep this show going and to keep a bright light on this program about disability, sexuality, and everything in between. And so I'm going to do that today by thanking the people that do our Patreon. You can pledge $1 a month, $5 a month, or more to our Patreon. And the person that did it this time around is my friend Lance Branham, who pledged 20 dollars a month to keep this show going, which I think is really, really awesome. He actually unpledged and then repledged when I told him how thankful I was that he had pledged. He actually was like, okay, well, I'll keep pledging. So thanks, Lance. You put a Lance in my heart and made me excited that you did that. Thank you. Can you put Lances in people's hearts? I don't know. But thanks, Lance. You're awesome for the pledge. If you want to pledge to the show via Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash disability after dark and make a monthly pledge of one dollar where you'll get an awkward shout out like that and you'll get the show a day early so if you're listening via the patreon feed you're hearing this on wednesday versus thursday or you can pledge five dollars a month and you can build a show with me and build a show around an episode of your choice and will i'll do the research i'll do all the stuff and i'll make an episode for you so if you want to pledge that way you can do it too via the Patreon. There's another kind of pledge that I got the other day that I wanted to give a shout out to somebody who did something really sweet. They emailed me and said, Andrew, my friend loves your show, really, really loves your show and really, really wants to get a shout out from you. Do you think I could give you a donation to do the shout out, a one-time donation? And I was like, that's never really happened, but that's cool and, and thank you. So they said, Hey, I just have a friend who's a big fan of your show. I wondered if I could make a $25 donation and give him a little extra special shout-out. And I was like, that's cool. So, Steffi wants me to give a shout-out to their friend, Roberto, who lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And Roberto said that his favorite story in the podcast is the story of how I drove my wheelchair into the wall while I was getting passionate with the, with the dude. And I remember the story. I don't remember telling it on the podcast, so I'm going to repeat it. I was making out with a dude who touched my joystick, and I jammed my chair into the drywall. And there was a giant hole of drywall there. It was super embarrassing, but I also loved the hole because I was like, yeah, I made that hole making out with a dude. Hot. Hot. Steffi, thank you so much for wanting to do that for your friend Roberto. And if you out there listening want to support the show but you can't support monthly, that's totally fine. You want to make a one-off donation to the show, you can do so by hitting me up on PayPal at paypal.me slash andrewgerza. That's paypal.me slash andrewgerza. That's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A. And you can make whatever one-off donation you want. I appreciate that you want to do that, and I'll still give you an awkward shout-out for for the donation. So thanks for that, Steffi and Roberto. Thank you. But now, 
on to the show. On the episode today, I can't even tell you how excited I am to have this guest on. I am like really, really excited. And I was super excited when she said yes to being on the show. I was like, yeah, oh my goodness. So I had the pleasure of talking today with YouTuber, author, sex educator, Hannah Witten, who is an amazing personality talking all about sex and disability, her experience with ulcerative colitis, and so much more on her YouTube channel and on her podcast, which I was a guest on recently, so head over and listen to that on the Doing It podcast. And we sat down and talked about her experiences with ulcerative colitis, sexuality, disability, what she named her stoma, so much more happened in this interview than I thought it would. It was so fun to sit with her and just chat about disability together, and it morphed into something so much more than just a chat about sex, but just a, it was just a chat with two disabled people talking about disability, and that was really cool, and that was like super awesome to sit with her, and she's somebody that I've admired for a long time, so to have her like over Skype talking with me for an hour was really fun. We had a laugh, we made jokes about poo, we talked a little bit about sex and disability, a lot happened in this episode, and I am really excited to share it with you, so I'm going to stop babbling, and without further ado, here's my interview with YouTuber, author, and sex educator, Hannah Witten, right now on Disability After Dark. Hannah Witten, hello. Hi. Hi, it's so nice to see you again. Last time we were chatting, we were face-to-face in the UK. Yeah, and now we're... Over Skype, but it's it's the same, you know, the internet is brilliant. The internet is so great for that kind of stuff, so hello, I'm so happy we finally made this happen. Me Um, too. Sidebar, you were just in Toronto recently, how was that? Oh, it was great, it was very um, full on. It was actually two back-to-back trips to Toronto because my schedule just was a bit all over the place, so the second trip, I was home for, like, I was in Toronto for Buff Festival, and then I went to New York because it's so close for me. I'm like, yeah, great, I'll also go to New York. And then I was home for five days, and then I had to come back to Toronto for some more work, and I was in Toronto for two days on that trip. So you didn't even have time to, like, there was no breathing room, you were just traveling. It was, it was not great. <laughs> no, no. But, but I got I got through it, so it's fine. I saw you here, and I was like, oh, I saw that you were here, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're in the, well, you don't want to be here now because we just got snow here today. So oh really? We're not pleased. Yeah, I've only ever come to Toronto in autumn. You should come in the summer. It's much nicer. I should. <laughs> much nicer. So autumn's always been nice. I've always got beautiful weather. It's been yeah, so sunny. It's great, but then the trouble with autumn is that it turns right into winter after, and us Canadians are like, why? No. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and you, what you're wearing today is very autumn, autumnal. You're wearing, you're wearing, you're wearing a very autumn outfit today. Yeah, um, autumn is like my colors all year round, nice. um, but yeah, I, f- I feel especially seen in autumn because I'm like, great, my entire wardrobe matches this season. <laughs> That's awesome. I also I love autumn colors too because mm. they're warm and cozy, and I'm literally like I'm a, I'm a track pants guy. I'm just, I wear track pants all year round. I don't care because they're comfy. brilliant. I don't. I just don't care. Um, so hello, why do you, can you can you introduce yourself to anybody who's listening who's like. Who's this person that Andrew just had a minute and a half of banter with? 
<laughs> sure. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm a YouTuber and an author and also a podcast host. I am a sex educator, so I talk a lot about sex and relationships and bodies and all of that good stuff. And I'm also disabled. Um, I have a stone bag. Amazing. And a chronic illness, yeah. <laughs> I, and I, that, let's, let's start there. So... My next question was going to be, are you a person with a disability? I already know the answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do have a disability. Yeah. So can you... Well, it's taken me a long time to get there. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into all that stuff, part, oh, yeah. all those parts too. But can you can you start off by telling us like what your disability is and how it affects your day-to-day? Yeah, so um, I have an ileostomy, which is a kind of stoma, and then I have um, a stoma bag that I wear that... Um, catches all of my output which is basically a med- nice medical term for poo um, <laughs> um i have ulcerative colitis which is a chronic illness it's a form of inflammatory bowel disease and i've had that for um basically as long as i can remember but since i was seven um i've known my whole life with it but i've always been kind of like in and out of remission with most of my life being in remission um And then when I was 25, so wait, was I 25? Oh, my God. I don't know. Two years ago. (laughs) Yeah, I was 25. Oh, you're you're still so young. 25 Um, for me was 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, two years ago, I had a really severe flare-up of my colitis that um, I ended up being in hospital for a month and had emergency surgery to remove my colon. Hence, now I have a stone bag. So it's all been quite recent for me, even though I've been chronically ill for my entire life. But because I spent so much of that time in remission, I didn't really ever consider that a big part of my identity. Whereas now it's like a huge part of my identity. From our first chat, I remember you telling me when when I was on your show, which you should all listen to that episode really right now. Um, But I remember you telling me that you, you started having symptoms when you were seven, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know when I started having symptoms, but when I was seven, that was when I got the diagnosis. So when my parents, because my parents were basically my advocates, they were the ones like, you know, taking me to the doctors being like, our child's poo is not normal. (laughs) That's that's a fun, I'm sure sure those were fun trips to the doctor being like, what what do we do with our kid? Yeah. She's not shitty, right? What do we do? Yeah. And, And I don't really remember a lot of this, but my parents were saying that they had a lot of doctors just turning them away being like she's just got a tummy bug you know it's just kids um and my parents were really adamant they were like uh 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 nope and just kept going back and like um being quite ruthless about getting a referral and lo and behold we, they got the referral i had the tests and they were like aha she has ulcerative colitis <laughs> and like did it was so so just so people understand like like i have ibs which is not mm. the same thing as IBD, which is not, no. they're, they're not the same, but they're often linked to each other. Can you, do you know how they're different? I couldn't tell you really how IBS and IBD are different, but I can tell you about IBD sure. in general. Yeah, okay. So um, inflammatory bowel disease, um, there is there are two kinds that I know of, Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. And they're both autoimmune diseases. So basically, our gut, our like digestive system, think our, or our immune system thinks that our gut is foreign and it attacks itself. Um, 
Whereas I, IBS is not autoimmune based. It's very much like, I, at least from what I know, it's like more triggered by like it, emotions actual food. And, yeah, it's food, and food and yeah, like emotions, emotions and like stress. Yeah. It's, Whereas um, for us, it's like, it's, it's an autoimmune disease. Um, and yeah, and so for colitis, colitis appears in the rectum and the colon, whereas Crohn's disease can occur anywhere in the digestive tract. So anywhere from your esophagus to your rectum. Um, and for, for me, uh, for colitis, symptoms are like um, abdominal pain, urgency to go to the toilet, really high frequency of going to the toilet and blood and mucus um, in your stools. Oh, and it being diarrhea. Um, and then also like other symptoms can be like uh, chronic fatigue and um, just generally just feeling horrendous and ill. <laughs> sounds it sounds like so much joy, but yeah, you know, given with somebody with IBS, the first few symptoms I was like, "Yep, yeah, had that. Yep, yeah, have that." Like mm. I, I've had the the diarrhea and then the and then the fatigue and then the so like and I went to my doctor and they're like, "No, no, we don't think you have." Like, we don't think of Crohn's, we don't think of all sorts of colitis, we think it's IBS. So I was like, okay. But I, they're very similar in that, like, they make you, they both make you feel, like, really tired, and you go to the bathroom a lot, and there's a lot of urgency and tons of abdominal pain. Mm-hmm. Now, because I now, I realize I have a symptom buddy now, and I can ask you these things. <laughs> Do you, does the abdominal pain for you, because when I have the pain, it feels like I'm going to have to go to the bathroom all the time. Is that the kind of yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with ulcerative colitis, it's called that because you have ulcers in your intestine. So it's basically like the the food waste passing through your intestines. But you know, like the ulcers that you get in your mouth and they're really painful. Yep. So it's like in your intestine, stuff is moving against these oh. ulcers and, and everything is inflamed. So, um, so obviously IBS stands for irritable bowel syndrome. So you have an irritable bowel. IBD stands for inflammatory bowel disease. So everything is inflamed. So no, they're, so they're totally different, but, but it, they, people conflate them to be the same all the time. Yeah, I think people get the symptoms mistaken, but as soon as you run any kind of test, like a blood, like I, I imagine like someone who's going through a flare-up of IBD, what they do is they count your... Um, like in the tests that they do, oh, I can't remember. I I was like so on this when I was in hospital because obviously I was like living it day to day. But there's like a counter that they they measure, which is like how high your inflammation is, which yeah. just means how severe it currently is. And mine was like mine basically skyrocketed. Hence why they were like, let's get her into surgery right now. Um, <laughs> but I don't imagine if you have IBS, your inflammation levels would be high at all. No, and, and when they tested me, they weren't high, so like... Yeah, so they're like, okay, this is an IBD. <laughs> but they were yeah. like, he's in pain. And I, mm-hmm. re- I remember being so angry when I went to hospital because they were like, oh, we're just going to give you some drugs and you'll be fine. And I was like, but the, no, do something. Like, I wanted them to do... I wanted them to run all the tests and they were like, we can't because there's, there's no test mm-hmm. that will quantify what you're feeling. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. not fun for me. The the test for diagnosis for me was a colonoscopy. So, you know, camera at my bum. I, you know, I, I'm going to have to get one of those soon enough. Was Tell me, was it, was it fun? No. Well, so when I was seven, um, it was horrendous because 
I, it was more because I didn't know what was going to happen. I was like being adults were like wheeling me somewhere. I remember like screaming down the corridor. And also in the UK on the NHS, if you're a child having a colonoscopy, then they will give you general anesthetic. So they'll just yeah. like completely put you under. So when I was a kid, every single colonoscopy I had, I was unconscious for. So I don't really remember it, but you know, I love me some anesthetic. I love yeah. being that great. <laughs> Um, but then since being an adult, the colonoscopies I've had have been, um, with like painkillers and sedation, which is equally fun. Like they, they are kind of painful. Like it's really, it is a really weird feeling, but like, just make sure they give you loads of sedation and painkillers because then you're like high off your tip. <laughs> and, and also the ones that I've had, I don't know if you would get the same in Canada but like you're lying on your side and you can see the screen so you can see the camera you can see your insides and then and also when you're high you're like what <laughs> what um the only, the only bit that I didn't like is like the moment the camera is approaching your butthole and then you get like a really really zoomed in close-up view of your hairy bum hole <laughs> Yeah, which, which is not something that I ever wanted to see like, no, I don't in that I... much detail. Like, so, I was like, what? like 4D, your asshole. Yeah, really, like <laughs> really zoomed in. <laughs> That's really funny. So, so um, you, I mean, and it sounds like you. Like, what I love having, what I, what I love about talking to you is that you have a really good sense of humor about it. Where, <laughs> you have to. Yeah, <laughs> like you totally, you had totally have to, and many of us with disabilities will say the humor like gets us through where did that mm -hmm. kind of come from for you like how did you and it takes a while to hone that skill to make these things funny for us like how did you get there or how have you gone to a place to, to laugh about it I haven't really thought about that to be honest I think I think because I've also been on YouTube for about eight years and I've been making videos and telling stories I think I've, I have just learned when I when people ask me and I've told my story and I've shared with people, I enjoy it when I can get a laugh out of someone or yeah. I enjoy it. I, I, I don't know. I, just, I And so maybe it's just come from, from just telling the story so many times and kind of like enjoying the silly parts of it. And also talking to other people who are disabled or have a chronic illness and laughing with them about it and just be like oh my god yeah that happened to me too yeah like hospital buddies like, right? yeah, exactly. um, and yeah I don't I don't remember ever like consciously deciding I'm going to be funny about make this I'm gonna make this funny so that I can process it it was just it just kind of like happened as I was started telling the story really yeah, and I mean, I, I, it just comes it comes so naturally to you. Like when you listen to your podcast, when you when you <laughs> like watch your YouTube, and you you talk about this stuff, it comes so it just feels really natural. And I, I like that Thank because I, I don't think we when we talk about disability, like those of us doing the work who are in the like young millennial space talking about being disabled, mm -hmm. a lot of us have that those experiences, but it's hard for us to be like to make it relatable and make it digestible for. An audience, and you really seem to know how to do that really well. So I, I that's why I loved your content. And why I wanted to have you Aww, on the show. Thanks. 
Thank you. And uh, meeting you when I met you in the UK, I must tell you, I was so nervous because I was like, oh my God, it's Hannah. Oh, like, don't. <laughs> she's so important. And then there's me. So I, 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 I was You're nervous. important. <laughs> I was nervous. Um, but let's jump around to your YouTube. Your YouTube. Mm. Your, it's YouTuber, right? Is the term we use? To, you're a YouTuber, that's the thing. YouTuber, content creator. I don't, I don't even know anymore. So so you're a YouTube content creator and you do stuff around, a lot of stuff around disability. Were you, and you're kind of, you're chronic illness as well. Were you afraid mm. to put that out there so publicly? Um, to be honest, no. I'd made one video about having ulcerative colitis before like getting super ill and and needing surgery mm. just kind of as a like oh this is a thing about me some people might be interested but i made that video whilst i was in the middle of a 10-year remission so for most of my youtube career i wasn't disabled never thought of myself as disabled i had a chronic illness but it wasn't actually affecting me day to day and then and i'd made one video about it just kind of as a like oh, here's an extra other thing to get to know me and, like, maybe some other people out there have this as well because I know it's quite common. Um, but then the decision to talk about having a stoma and um, my time in hospital and, and having surgery, like, that, that felt, like, almost necessary because I had taken a break from everything because I was so ill and obviously I was in hospital and so I wasn't making content and it like one it would have felt weird coming back and making a random video about something completely unrelated and not addressing where I've been why I look so thin <laughs> and like, yeah. um, and then two I think uh, like I knew that I needed to do it for me one of the things that really helped me when I was in hospital post-surgery was watching videos of young women with stomas talking about their experiences. And so I was like, I already have this platform. I already have this audience. So I'm going to use that to raise awareness about this. And, and you know, a lot of um, people who specifically talk about like colitis or having a stoma on online have much smaller audiences than I do. And so I was like, I've got this big audience and I can start talking about this. Um, yeah, and it just, it, kind of, it definitely helped me as well with that process of healing yeah, after, I mean, I, after I, everything. I think also like for young people dealing with this stuff and dealing with chronic illness, to see somebody putting it out there so publicly is really powerful because like I, I, looked, at, I looked at like chronic illness stuff too around my disability and, and none of it's mm -hmm. fun, none of it's like, a lot of the videos yeah. on there are very serious, very medicalized, or done with non-disabled, with like a disabled person as the focal point, but it's shot by a non-disabled person, so it's not very like, it's not very true to their experience. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. let me show this disabled person living their life. Yay, good for the video, but it's not. Whereas you're like, I'm the person shooting it. I have the disability. Here's my, yeah. like, here. So it's totally, it's totally a new way of bringing disability content to the mainstream. Yeah, and there's a huge disabled community on YouTube, which is something I then kind of 
threw myself like full force into afterwards like learning a lot of, of stuff and it's definitely been a bit of like an education journey for me as well not just learning about my own condition but learning about like disability politics in general yeah i mean disability yeah. politics can be a, can be really hard to navigate if you've never been there and even for me as like a seasoned like disability <laughs> Seasoned. Seasoned disability advocate, like you have to be so careful when you wade into that yeah. pool because, like, if you take one misstep, someone's gonna say, like, "Oh nope, you did that wrong." Yeah, and I, I'm so conscious of that, especially as like being someone who is like public and online. Um, you know, I don't want, I don't want to exclude anyone, or I don't want uh, to accidentally like offend anyone and so one of the things that I try and do is like include other people's voices but then also when I am talking about things I'm just like it is very diary based it's like this is what's happened to me this is my experience and that's kind of like what I feel like I can do um the best and also to signpost people to to other creators because like I said like I had already built up an audience of people without making disability content so yeah. a lot of my audience a lot of this stuff about stomas about disability about chronic illness to a lot of my audience that's entirely new to them and so that was actually a really unique position to be in rather than like having built up an audience based on making disability content where like the majority of your audience are like Yes, me, also disabled. Yes, I understand. Whereas a lot of my audience were like, oh my God, I've never heard of this before. And were, and were you like, when, when when that happened to you as a creator, were you like, oh no, I'm going to lose my, I'm gonna, my, my audience is going to disappear because I've just, I've just come out as disabled? <laughs> no, to be honest, I was more worried about losing my audience because I hadn't uploaded in ages. I was more worried just because of like the YouTube algorithm. Um, I didn't think that anyone would unsubscribe because they were like, well, I don't like to say to people, unsubscribe. Um, and also, I don't think at the beginning I was really using the word disabled to describe myself. I think that that took me a bit of time. Um, yeah, why don't we kind of go there for a minute? Why don't we go to like your, okay, yeah. your, your journey of becoming disabled? Like, or the journey that you maybe are still on right now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm doing that thing where you fake it till you make it. So I'm always just like, yes, I am disabled. I'm just saying it out loud. I am a disabled person. I'm a person with a disability. Me, Hannah, disabled. And and just like saying it like over and over again. And and when no one replies being like, no, you're not. Or like, you know, you know like the fear of it is like imposter syndrome or or like not being disabled enough. Yep. And when I kind of like, when I put it out there and I claim that I'm disabled, my fear is that people are going to be like, no, you're not, get out of the group. But no, every time I've been doing my like test of like, I am disabled, anyone challenging me on this? No one has. So it's actually helping me uh, kind of, accept it internally as well for myself. And so did, did that fear come from a place of like a place of like I don't have a disability marker like a wheelchair or a walker or something mm. to show that I'm disabled like where did that where did that fear of like I'm not disabled enough come from for you? I think it came from being non-disabled most of my life and absorbing all of the same misconceptions 
and ableist thoughts that is just like in society and just kind of like having all of those preconceived notions um and not and like yeah and not really fully understanding the true scope of disability um and invisible disabilities and, and everything and so because my whole life I've never been like shown lots of kinds of dif- disabilities um it, it I think it took a while for me to be like oh that's also me um and then also when I was in hospital my uh stoma nurse said to me she was just like um she was like, you're not technically, oh, I can't remember what she said. She It was something like, you're not legally disabled, but you can use disabled toilets. And so in my head, I thought that then, oh, okay, so disability is like a legal status that you have to apply for. And then you get like your disabled benefits. badge and you get your benefits. But like my condition doesn't entitle me to any benefits. I don't, I don't need them. Um, but I, I am allowed and I am entitled to use accessible toilets um and rightly so um and I I didn't question that because I wasn't the expert like I didn't know I was like okay I'm not legally disabled and I and it was from talking to other disabled people and I think it was I think it might have been Jessica Jessica Kelgren Fozard she was like amazing yeah she's she is brilliant she was just like there's no such thing as legally disabled and I was like what (laughs) she was like yeah that's that's absolute bullshit there is no such thing as legally disabled like um I don't know exactly what she said but she kind of like really hammered it home to me like she was like you don't have to um qualify for like a disabled parking permit you don't have to qualify for disability benefits you don't have to have this like badge of approval from your government that says you're disabled in order to to be a disabled person yeah yeah Yeah. and I was like oh okay well then does that make me disabled (laughs) like and she was like well do you personally feel disabled do you feel like your condition is disabling or do you feel like the way that society is built because of your condition it makes it disabling for you or like you know like also like the social model of disability I learned about and I was like oh my god mind is blown yeah um so it has been this huge learning process for me and so yeah it was just from a lot of people just explaining how also just like how they identify just hearing other people being like this is my condition and I identify as disabled this is my condition and I am disabled and I was like huh look at all these different disabled people and I mean I think that's also why it's so hard to because there were so many different ways you can identify and there's so many different like rules based on who you're talking to yeah and and also like i look able-bodied for the most part it doesn't affect the majority of my life and so there definitely is still a lot of like internalized ableism of like well i'm not that disabled but i like you know, I have, I have to have medical equipment to help me shit. (laughs) (laughs) When when you bring it back down to that, like, to the basic level, yeah. And like, yeah, they, the way that I think about going to the toilet 
and have to consider different things. And the way that I actually do go to the toilet is vastly different from someone who has a functioning colon. Yeah, yeah. So when we were sitting down <laughs> in the UK, you yeah. I, you were telling me about your soma, and mm. you named it Mona. Mona. Um, yeah. Can you tell? Can, first of all, can you can you define for me what a stoma is? Yes. So a stoma is an artificial opening in the body. There's lots of different kinds of stomas. So mine is called an ileostomy because it comes out of ileum, and basically um, a small the end of my small intestine is sticking out of my stomach. It's bright red and it is um, squishy cool. and it doesn't have any nerve endings. The, I know we never think about what color our organs are. The 12-year-old boy, boy in me right now is like, wow, that's awesome. I want to see yeah. it. I, I have a video on my YouTube channel where I show my stoma. I um, will put a link to that in the show notes yeah, because everyone should see. Yeah. Um, it, and it was because a lot of people... Like I was trying to describe it and I had a lot of comments from people being like, I don't understand. Is it like a hole in your stomach? And I'm like, no, it's not a hole in my stomach. It's like actually part of my organ on the outside. And then I have a bag that um, has adhesive, like adhesive on it. And that sticks to my stomach. And then the stoma is in the stoma bag and it poos into the bag and the bag collects everything. So do you, so... This is a boy question. Do, yeah. you, do you feel do you feel your intestine outside your body? So the intestine itself doesn't have any nerve endings. So I can touch it and I can't feel that, but I can feel that the stoma is like moist and squishy and soft. Um, sometimes I can like feel it moving, um, but not all of the time. Like because it kind of like it. It like pulses. Yeah, it like moves. You can see it like changes size and shape as it's like moving and like pushing output like through the system. Um, so sometimes I can like feel stuff happening, um, especially if she's really gassy and like farty. Then I can like feel the air like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, other times the skin around it gets itchy and that's the worst because I can't scratch it. I can't scratch that skin because there's a bag on top of it. And often what I'm doing, you know how um, sometimes if you have an itch, slapping the area helps yeah, relieve like it? Yeah, hurting it, it makes it feel better. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm sometimes just like smacking myself like in the stomach, just like trying to relieve the itch. Yeah. Uh, most people are like, what is she doing? And you're like, oh, I'm just trying to fix my Mona's itchy right now. But also I find it really comforting um, having my hand on my stoma and like feeling her like move move and, and well feeling her poo because sometimes it's like that especially if it's like quite farty then it's like like just a, i don't know it's something like a, the way that i try and describe it is like i imagine it's what it feels like if you have a, a pregnant belly and you're like feeling a baby kick <laughs> so <laughs> so it, i often just like have my hand down my pants and public just trying just, to feel make sure you're... i find it really comforting i don't know why is it like, like do you think it's a comfort of like okay my body's working and i can i have i think a bit of that but then also like it just feels nice <laughs> like i'll just i'll like i'll like go to sleep with my hat like and I'll, I'll get in a position when i'm sleeping so i have like so out 
I'm the big spoon in my relationship, even though my partner is a foot taller than me. Um, So (laughs) I'll be be spooning him and then I'll put my hand on my stoma and because I'm pressing up against him, it's like his back, my hand, my stoma. And so it just means that my hand is like lodged in place so I can fall asleep whilst also... Maybe it's like you know how when you fall asleep and you you hear someone's heartbeat. Maybe it's like maybe it's similar to that. Like you can maybe. like yeah, the yeah. feeling of the stoma is comforting to you because you're like okay everything is working. There's like yeah. I can feel it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe um, it turns it, it might be a bit like that because um, in June um, I had to have another emergency surgery. June last year, June 2018. So like five months after that, I had the stoma. Um, and that's because I had adhesions from my first surgery, which is like scar tissue, and it caused like an intestinal blockage, obstruction. And what happened was is that like she'd stopped pooing, so like there was no way for anything to get through. Like that she she'd stopped working, and I felt physically sick, and everything was like coming out this way. Oh no! Yeah, uh, that's super dangerous because everything uh, is vomiting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there was like there was a blockage and nothing could come out and, and so everything was coming out via vomit um, and we went into A and E and they it you know the, the obstruction wouldn't release and so I ended up having to have another surgery for surgeons to go in and like manually. unpick everything and yeah and manually like cut the scar tissue and the adhesions away. So if she is ever inactive like I do worry I'm like oh she's not done anything in ages like like is it because I've not eaten a lot today and so maybe there's just like not a lot of food in me to like pass through um because like her being active is a good sign her being inactive is a really bad sign yeah it's a so it can both be like a it's a great thing that you have access to her but also terrifying that you have access to her because she tells you everything about your body yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. She tells me a lot of like the um, the actual output itself. Sometimes tells me exactly what I ate just like six to twelve hours before. <laughs> and like, oh, there's there's those peas. Oh. There's those there's those mushrooms. Oh, oh, it's bright red. Oh, that's because I had some flaming hot Cheetos. Oh. <laughs> like, oh, that's not blood, just Cheetos. Wow. I think we've figured out the title of this episode. Maybe? I don't know. <laughs> um, so you also did something really cool. Was it this year or last year where you sat down with a bunch of disabled people in the UK who are like Twitter famous and, and social media famous to talk about sex? I yeah, love that. It. I stumbled oh, on you. that and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And that's kind of when I fell in love with your content because I was like, this is really important. Like no one's ever done a sex and disability roundtable probably ever on camera that I uh, that I had seen anyway so I was like this is great so tell us about that um yeah so I am a sex educator like first and foremost that was what I was doing on YouTube before everything um and then after like having surgery and getting a stoma I was like well like obviously like I want to kind of like talk about the intersection of these two things because they're both now really like important to me. And so I thought, um, what better way to do this than like get a bunch of other disabled people and 
talk about their experience with like sex and dating uh, and relationships and that so that video was like an hour long round table yeah, discussion like a, about it's... all of those things um and the reason like the initial reason why it got made was because i actually screened it at a 10 minute version of it at buffer festival 2018 um and so that was amazing to see like that kind of conversation being had in like a massive theater like in a on a on a big screen yeah totally um, cuz we never we never see it in media yeah so wow yeah and i'm just so grateful that um all of those people were like just so on board and like up for having the conversation it was quite nerve-wracking though because it was like one of my i think it might have been like one of my first kind of like phrase into i'm now going to take this um disability aspect of my content and talking about disability and sex like i'm like championing this and i'm like taking this really seriously um which can be a bit nerve-wracking when you're just when you're like a bit a bit new to it you know <laughs> yeah i mean well it didn't when i watched the video and i don't remember when i watched like i don't remember mm. I, but i remember stumbling on it and being like can i i had known of you before I like met you and talked like I knew who you were before we started that's why mm. I reached out and I was like oh my god come on let's figure out a way to do this so yeah. um when I saw that I was like this is really this is amazing I also had a tinge of like professional like oh I should do something similar that's like a great like wow because it's so rare and the people mm. you got to sit with you and be so honest with you was was just like I was like this is this is so important we need more of this yeah hundred percent so much more of it especially because like every person's experience is so unique because everyone's disability is different but then also if you have a similar disability it will affect you differently and um i'm i'm really proud of that video um it's definitely one of my favorites that i've produced as you i mean as you should be like i'm gonna put it in the show notes of this and make sure that Uh, it goes to it because it's it speaks to a lot of, like, disabled people watching it won't be nodding their heads the whole time going, yep, yep, mm-hmm. like I was the whole time being like, yep, this is my experience, like, yep. <laughs> like, so it was just, I felt it was really important. What, what has been the response from people who have seen vid- the video like that or the other videos around your disability? Do you feel people are kind of seeing you now as a as a voice in this community or... Yeah, and and that's really nice. I f- I feel like I've been welcomed with open arms and like really um e- accepted within the the disabled community, especially like the disabled online community of like people who you know are quite are, are vocal about a lot of issues. Um, but I think one of the reasons why um people have been so nice and welcoming is because I I know how the internet works and I I know how um power works and I have a, a, a platform I have a, I'm in a position of power and I have been very consciously using that to raise voices of other disabled people yeah. um kind of like in a you know like pass it pass it forward pass the buck yeah kind of way um whereas I don't I, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm just very conscious. Like, I don't want to take up too much space without adding value. Yeah, I mean, I do the same thing with this podcast. Like, 
when I have a guest like yourself, my job is to be quiet and let you take, like, <laughs> and let you tell your story because like, and obviously guide the conversation like where we wanted to go together. But like, it, I feel like mm-hmm. such a privilege too of like, I'm a white cis guy. I that means I have a responsibility to shine lights on trans disabled people, people mm-hmm. disabled people of color who want to talk about this stuff because their experience is vastly different from mine. Yeah. And it's my job to bring that to light. Yeah, 100%. 100% feel the same. Except not being a, a cis guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, so let's kind of jump into how Mona and your stoma and all these things affect your sex life. So yeah. how does it affect your sex life? So, um, so like at first, like post-surgery, because I had... Um, uh, open abdominal surgery Whoa. it really it really affected my sex life because I just like I couldn't have sex I was like recovering from surgery I was so ill and then also because um because I had a, abdominal surgery because they basically like cut through my core muscles turns out you need core muscles in order to like achieve orgasm and so even though like me and my partner post like once I came home from surgery from hospital um even though we like wanted to have sex you know because we're not like slept in the same bed together in over a month um like we would you know be trying to do sexy things but then I like couldn't come I'd be like I was like no I've lost it it's gone because I just didn't have the muscle to do it to like content, um, yeah mm, but that that was something that eventually came back with recovery um but then in terms of like the stoma um and the stoma bag it just it it just like physically can get in the way and then um so like practically it's just like a bag flapping around on your body but I found lots of um solutions one is not to care (laughs) um but also the the, the bag design itself has like a velcro in it so I can fold it in half which makes it like smaller and like doesn't flap around as much um and I love that it's like that's designed into it like it's designed into the bag like the the medical people creating it have have gone hey do you know what? maybe when these people are like getting intimate they might want to like fold it in half like I love that that's the part of the actual design um and then also like high-waisted crotchless underwear or like sexy lingerie garments that like cover it but then are crotchless oh nice that is opened like the fact that we've had a problem and we're like okay how do we solve this problem the fact that we've had to get a bit creative has actually opened my world to the like I would never I never really kind of like felt the need to check out all these different kinds of lingerie but now i'm like oh i'm in <laughs> that, so do, do you think and we don't see a lot of this do you think that, that you will that, that the hannah wooden brand might start making sexy lingerie for stoma havers i don't know um people ask me a lot of this stuff all the time like about will i do like an underwear line or or like stoma, stoma covers or sex toys and i'm like like, I'm so busy, but yes, one day maybe. I, I wouldn't even know where to start, to be honest. Well, I mean, I, I'm slowly maybe. working my way through the sex toy industry trying to figure that out. So if ever you need advice. 
Yeah, it's such a beast because I, I just feel like there are so many things you have to go through in terms of like prototyping and making your body safe and there's there's just so much and I'm like, I don't even know how you yeah, begin with that. And we're like, my company's in the middle of trying to do all that. So I know oh, wow. it's, it's a hard, it's, a, it's, it's tough. Because mm. right now we're just trying to get the research done and the research by itself to figure out if there's a toy that'll work takes forever. Mm. It's taken us over over a year to figure out. Oh my god! Really? Just get the research sorted out. We're not even done that part yet. So it's, it's. Does that include like market research and everything as well, or just researching the functionality of the toy? Right now, honestly, it's just functionality. We've done some market uh-huh. stuff, but it's just functionality so far. Damn! I'd love to hear more about that process off podcast we will definitely i can yeah for sure talk to you about it um other things i want to ask you about sex and disability so have mm. you had any funny moments with mona during sex where you're like oh that happened oh my god she just occasionally is like super farty and super noisy during sex um and I don't know, I have this thing where I have to, like, acknowledge that it happened, where my partner just might be, he, he probably has heard it, but it's just, like, not caring to acknowledge it, and it's just, like, getting on with things, you know? Right, yeah. Whereas I'm just like, oh, there's Mona, oh, there's <laughs> Just boring attention to it. And your partner's like, I'm, like try- I'm trying to get in this zone with you, and you're like, oh. Yeah, and then, and then I'm reminding him that it's actually a threesome with my, <laughs> with my new butthole. <laughs> that might also be the title for this episode. I haven't decided oh, no. yet. Um, <laughs> this was such a fun chat. What um, oh, what advice would you give to like up and coming young people who up and coming? I sound so old when I said that. What what advice would you give to like like the the new the next generation of disabled people with with different disabilities about creating content for like because you're mm. such a prolific creator like you have a book you have a podcast you have the youtube channel like you're everywhere i just love making stuff i mean <laughs> right so how what advice do you give to somebody who's like i want to wade into the disability creator space what do i do um so i don't i don't know like how well i can answer this question because obviously i didn't start being like i want to make content about disability because I was I was already making content but I would say um if you are going to make content whatever you do just like just go for it whatever do it but um really engage with the community so find other people who are also making content who maybe have a similar disability to you or are a similar age or or whatever it is and like uh tweet them comment on their stuff like you know, engage with them, engage with the community, whatever it is. Um, Because I I always find that one of the most valuable things when it comes to um, talking about either like taboo topics or stigmatized topics or like marginalized topics, that sense of community is really what drives us. It's what keeps us going. Um, And it certainly is what like, helped me in some of my really like darkest moments i know we've been like very positive on this podcast and making jokes but like 
it was fucking hard. We can go to some. We can go to a dark place yeah. for a minute. We can go there. Yeah, but it was it was really fucking hard, and finding community is what really helped me. Um, so I, I feel like if you're making content, like my advice would be to also engage with the community. Don't don't just make content in your own isolated bubble. Like talk 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 to people and engage. Yeah, and I would also say as a creator too, like to that point. Twitter is great. The dis- mm. Disability Twitter is where I found everyone that I connect with now. So if you're a creator and you're like, where do I start? Type in hashtag disability Twitter. And like everyone mm. you ever want to talk to will show up. Yeah, there you go. Um, this was so fun. You're amazing. And I loved chatting with you today. And thank you for being so... Uh, I love talking to you too. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me, tell the audience how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, I'm at Hannah Witten on Twitter and Instagram, and then Hannah Witten on YouTube, and uh, my podcast is called Doing It, and you can go listen to the episode we did with Andrew I'll over there. I'll put it over there, and also put a link <laughs> to, the, to the show itself, because it's great. I also oh love... yeah, and my books as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's I right. Have those. You can link to those. Um, I just love that there's more. you're putting out more disability content, you're making it more accessible for an audience and I just think it's great so I love chatting with you um, any final words you want to say to the, to the people um, thanks so much for listening and I imagine that you probably have lots of um, disabled listeners and so just like thanks for making me feel welcome and not like I'm not disabled enough because that's bullshit <laughs> well you definitely are you're a disabled superstar <laughs> in the space so I'm <laughs> proud to have you on the show um, oh, thank you so much Hannah Witten this is a pleasure and I'll talk to you in a second off the air but you're great thanks <laughs> you're great too <laughs> bye alright Disability After Act listeners that's been another episode thank you so much for listening and shining a bright light on disability sexuality and everything in between with me your host Andrew Gerza if you want to follow the podcast on the socials you can go to disaftdarkpod on twitter or you can follow my work on socials at andrewgerza1. So my personal social media account to get a hold of me is andrewgerza and the number one on Twitter. On Twitter, Facebook, and all, and all the places. Everything is all the same. Andrewgerza1 to follow my work. Um, if you want to go to my website, you can go to www.andrewgerza.com where you can see some cool videos I've been in, some articles that I've written, and you can also book me to come shine a bright light on disability, sexuality, and everything in between at your event through my website too, so do that. Um, yeah, and thank you again for listening to the show and supporting the show, and if you, again, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark, that'd be awesome, do that if you can, thanks for listening, and um, we'll be back next week with a whole new show. Thanks friends, bye! Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Cripple Content Creations, with music by Chris Ujiuji. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be distributed or used without express permission. Copyright 2020.